Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, Craig, we are uh, week two into our month of child, or I guess we should say family-oriented horror movies. Yeah. And we all know the company around the world that is the most responsible for family entertainment is Disney. Probably by now, Disney's done a few of what you might consider horror movies. But back in the late 70s, early 80s, they hadn't really ventured out into this arena. Now, we've recently... We, not long ago, I think for our 150th episode, or maybe our 100th episode, I don't remember, we did um, Something Wicked This Way Comes, mm-hmm. which was a Disney movie that took a little bit of a different, you know, a little more mature than most of their other films based on a Ray Bradbury novel that's quite good. And us both being Ray Bradbury fans and big fans of that movie from our childhood, we really had a lot of great things to say about it. And it is a fine film. Yeah. This movie predates it a little bit, but not by much. Uh, this is 1980s The Watcher in the Woods. Now, I remember seeing a lot about this movie because whenever we'd rent a Disney VHS tape from the video store, they always had this pre-roll before it, like this sort of advertisement for a whole bunch of their other movies that were available on VHS. I remember that. You remember that? Do you remember this this movie being in there too? It always looks so scary. It's this girl in this mirror and something cracks and she's blindfolded and Betty Davis's creepy face pops in there and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and so I really at one time was really wanted to see this movie, but we never could get our hands on it and never did uh, as a kid. But it was known at the time as one of Disney's first scary movies where they were going a little bit more for a young adult audience than the kid audience and, and more of a PG or PG-13 uh, than the G that fair that they had been known for before. In fact, I think around the same time, they also did The Black Cauldron, which uh-huh. wasn't terribly successful. It was a pretty dark for a, a Disney movie at the time. So uh, it's a bit of a notorious film in that way, and uh, I finally got to see it for the first time um, in elementary school in a kind of an odd way. <laughs> You know, back when we were in elementary school, we still had actual, like, film projectors and things being hauled into the classroom. And for some reason, one time, I think it was during a music class that we were supposed to have, but got canceled for one reason or another, we instead watched this movie. But it was a truncated version of this movie. It was like a, like a maybe like a 45-minute to an hour max version of this movie. This movie's about an hour and a half. It ended very abruptly, <laughs> and it wasn't like they had to change the reel or anything. It literally ended, and then a slide came up saying, the end. It cut out so much of the actual ending of this movie. It creeped me out, and then I was like, oh, is that it? And it <laughs> took me took me till my adult years to finally go back and want to see this movie again and, and watch it and realize that it actually had a good 20 to 30 minutes <laughs> past where they ended this movie during this this film reel that I watched when I was in elementary school. So this movie in a, in its own way has kind of haunted me through my <laughs> through my early life and we're reviewing it again today. So that's my backstory on this. How about you Craig? When, had you seen this before? No, I hadn't seen it before. I knew about it. It pops up in articles and things every once in a while and I really like uh Betty Davis, but I no, I had never seen and I knew that they had fairly recently in the last few years done a remake um, with Angelica Houston Um, but I haven't seen that either and I hadn't seen this so I was kind of uh, excited to get to see it for the first time well what did you think of it 
you know, honestly, I thought I, I liked it, uh, and I'm kind of surprised because hmm, I don't know. You know, it's not the standard fare that I watch. I mean, this is stuff that I would have watched when I was a kid, uh, and I think that I maybe would have appreciated it even more as a kid but I, I still think it's a good movie it's not scary no I would say that it's it's suspenseful I thought that it was a good ghost story and it had you know good intrigue I think the thing that as an adult that I was most impressed with was the quality of the filmmaking um, I mean some of the cinematography was really beautiful the acting was not bad. I had it in my mind for some reason that this was a made-for-TV movie. Um, maybe just because by the time I was old enough to be aware of it, they were playing it on Disney Channel or something. I, I don't know. Um, as it turns out, the Disney company had intended it to be a television film. But then for whatever reason, they changed their mind uh, at some point and decided to make it a theatrical release. Um, and you can still kind of tell just in parts how it kind of feels like a TV movie um, because it, it feels like there are places where commercial breaks could be easily worked in. <laughs> yeah, like Without that little fade out. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and then fade back into a new scene. It'd be really easy to insert some commercials in there. It's a slow burn. Like you said, it's short, depending on what version you watch. And it has kind of a storied history because it was released, but audiences and critics didn't particularly like the ending, so they pulled it out of theaters um, and reshot endings and uh, tried a couple of different endings <laughs> recently when uh, some I think anniversary Blu-ray release came out uh, they had said that they were going to restore it to the original director's cut what the director had really intended but then they didn't <laughs> Disney refused to release uh, all of the original footage and so it's still what you get on Blu-ray, even though the director says in the commentary, this is my original cut. He, per he recorded that commentary before they made the decision not to restore it all. So even though he says, this is it, this is uh, the director's cut, it's really not. But the extended or alternate versions are available on YouTube so you can watch them and I'll be interested I did I watched them both and I'll be when we get to the end it'll be fun to talk about <laughs> it, it's kind of like it's like choose your own adventure like ooh which which ending did you like best that's true <laughs> I, I didn't like any of them, to be quite honest, but <laughs> anyway, I didn't like my original ending. Maybe my original ending was even better than the others that are available. On <laughs> Where it just the stops yeah, to the end. <laughs> it, it really did. I'll, once we get to that point, I'll tell you all about it. It was, uh, it was really an interesting experience for me. Uh, anyway, yeah, okay, so let's just dive in, right? Let's talk okay. about the movie a little bit. You're right, it is a slow burn. I think it's really more of just a standard ghost story that yeah. takes a sharp left turn pretty late right at the end yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is why it's so confusing but it's it, i think it's pretty compelling uh from the beginning and it does jump in very quickly to some action actually i thought the opening credits themselves were pretty creepy yeah. um, it's just these shots of the woods with the mist going through them and it's bright and sunny outside but that 
that spooky music behind it lets you know that all things are not well and there's some chimes and maybe some kids going la 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 in the background or something yeah. <laughs> the score for this film is quite good uh, yeah. I think it's it's very typical it's your so typical haunted house movie right where uh, you've got this American family uh, Helen and Paul Curtis uh, and their daughters Jan and Ellie go to a giant manor in rural England that the real estate person is taking them to they're going to stay there I guess for the summer or are they going to live there I'm not sure I don't know I couldn't tell Catch either them. because they're yeah. they're not they're not buying the place um, no. they're just renting it from this eccentric old lady um, named Mrs. Islewood uh, who actually lives in the cottage house on the property right next to the main house yeah and yeah you're right like it is so typical like it's almost identical to the beginning of burnt offerings it reminded me a lot of that in the beginning and you know right away they show up and of course the house is gorgeous it's this huge you know actual english manor and it's beautiful it's out in the middle of the woods and right away the older girl jan uh, who is played by Lynn Holly Johnson, who I think is probably most famous. She played the lead in Ice Castles, um, and she was in some other big movies in the 80s. She was a figure skater, I think, before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she was in Ice Castles for that reason. Not the best yep. actress in the world, but probably better I, I thought she was fine. Maybe for this time. Maybe if she was also in a James Bond movie, For Your Eyes Only. She was BB Doll. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. A year or two after this, she's an adult Bond girl. <laughs> right. Whereas she's playing a, a kid in this film, uh, like a teenager. Well, but, she's, uh, yeah, she's supposed to be 17, I think. So um, mm-hmm. not that young. Put she's the older. Way. And then Ellie is the younger. Ellie's played by Kyle Richards, uh, who's a real housewife now, It's which <laughs> is funny. Um, Kyle Richards was also the little girl in the original Halloween. Yes. And is said to be reprising her role from Halloween in the next installment. Halloween Kills. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Isn't that the title? Holy crap. I think so. So right away from the beginning, Jan like kind of looks out into the woods and gets kind of an eerie feeling right away. And um, when they're looking around the house, she goes upstairs and she's looking out the window and she's got her hand on the window and she sees like some kind of weird blue light out there and then the window shatters underneath her hand i mean i guess it doesn't technically shatter it just breaks and it breaks into the shape of a triangle and there's lots of shape imagery going on throughout this and it was funny because i guess the movie was geared towards younger people because all the they eventually start to notice these shapes showing up all the time and it's so blatantly obvious what the shapes represent, but like the characters don't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they do walk around a little too dumbfounded through most of this movie. <laughs> I wonder what those two circles could mean. But uh, yeah, it, and, and so the movie kind of goes on like this. They're just finding some suspicious things. There's this shape uh, as well that shows up. There, she takes a walk through the woods, uh, and she sees a circle reflected in the water. And the circle has like a, it's like a blue halo. And then there's a zap, like almost like a laser beam that either comes out of the circle or is coming from the sky. I'm not sure what. In any case, it knocks her off balance and she falls into the water. 
And after she falls into the water, her sister comes up screaming, and she's like, oh, no, what's going on? And Betty Davis's character, who uh, you said earlier her name was Mrs. Uh, Islewood. Islewood, is there. And she's got a big, long stick, and she's poking at her under the water. And it looks like she's trying to keep her down and drown her. But actually, what she's trying to do is free her from the branches that she's caught in under the water. And there's a long scene of struggle with her under the water. Uh, and it's a little... I mean, it's spooky for a little kid, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ellie, uh, looking at her, she says... She had to push it down to get you loose from the branch. She saved your life. I thought she was trying to drown you. Ellie, go and fetch some dry clothes for your sister. And so they are in Mrs. Elwood's cabin now. Uh, and Mrs. Elwood is now a little more kind to them and not quite as surly this time around. But I think the first time that she had met them, she looked at her, at Jan, very, very strangely. Mm-hmm. Like she reminded her of somebody. There's talk about her previously having a daughter that disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Uh, and this this happens once or twice in the movie, mostly by this nearby guy. I guess he's like a... They have a mechanic shop or something, right? I don't know. It's like a country store or something, because I feel like the girl's mom is buying some things, and like they have... There, there's all these signs. Although the only one I remember was like puppies for sale. Like, like they just <laughs> randomly sell like vegetables and puppies and, you know, whatever along the side of the road. The, the woman who apparently owns this place has a teenage son named mike and um jan and mike you know hit it off right from the beginning and are really basically kind of a couple throughout the rest of the movie but yeah we find out that uh aylwood had this daughter who had been jan's age and throughout you get all these little haunted house ghost story moments like at one point jan is looking in a big mirror that she's setting up and she can't see her reflection but then this ghostly figure uh, appears in the mirror and it's a blonde girl in a white dress and she's blindfolded um and so you you know there's spooky stuff going on all this intrigue you realize that there's going to be some mystery you know who is this girl it seems like it's mrs happens daughter it's weird because it's set up like jan and ellie both maybe have like some kind of psychic Ability. Yeah, Mrs. Islewood even asks Jan when they first show up. She's like, are you adventurous, kind, sensitive? Do you sense things? <laughs> and <laughs> she's like, yeah, I guess. Um, and so, like, Jan can kind of see things, I guess. And Ellie hears things. Oh, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, Ellie hears voices. She hears whispers and she hears humming. And she always thinks that it's Jan. And she's always, you know, like she'll say to Jan, that's a pretty tune you were humming. And Jan's like, what are you talking about? I wasn't humming. She's like, yes, you were. <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> and there are also moments where she seems to be kind of possessed. It's it's borrowing heavily from The Shining, True. really, at points. It's really interesting because they're also setting up the woods as a bit of a character. I mean, we know the movie's named The Watcher in the Woods, and every now and then there's this huge breeze that will blow 
wind really that blows through the woods that doesn't seem to come from anywhere and every now and then we get the camera pov shots that almost look like something creepy looking out and and watching you know very voyeuristic shots from the woods like there's somebody or something in there and so there's that aspect too and the mother um mrs aylwood after she initially meets the girls and the girls run out uh, she stares ominously in the woods from the front door of her cottage and there's a bit of a breeze that blows and she says to the woods they're staying isn't is that what you wanted mm-hmm. so yeah you're thinking that there's a supernatural presence of some kind that mrs aylwood is tuned into and that maybe these girls are tapping into as well and when ellie gets this little puppy i guess she finds it or did she buy it from no she she got it from that store <laughs> from that store it <laughs> yeah, sells everything She's holding the puppy, and then she gets this sort of possession-type thing where she starts staring off into space, and with her finger, she scratches backwards in the dirt on the window uh, what is obviously Karen backwards. Yeah, and not just backwards, but like mirror image. Mirror image, yeah. It's just like she's writing mirrored, you know, the other way. Just like The Shining with red rum. You know, right, right. Except in The Shining, the kid writes the R back, you know, the right way, and it's a little bit more of a surprise when you see it in the mirror. And spoiler alert, it's actually like a murder. Right. <laughs> but in this one, she's obviously just written Karen backwards. But Jan comes over and it's like, Now what's that? The name of the puppy, Narek. But what does it mean? You ought to know. You whispered it to me. I was talking to Mike. Well, I heard somebody say it. I've never seen you write like that before. A scene later from this, we're outside, and one of the neighbors, one of the neighbor ladies, uh, her name is Mary, is talking to, I think, their mother or whatever. And she looks over her shoulder and sees from this side of the window that Karen is has been scrawled on the window and that freaks her out she immediately makes an excuse to leave so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that there's this girl karen she's probably mrs aylwood's daughter who disappeared and she's sort of haunting these girls and that's what they're seeing in in the reflection and in the window well and after the whole almost drowning incident mrs aylwood um gives them some backstory and it, and it's in the form of a flashback and we see young Mrs. Islewood uh, it's funny i read that Betty Davis wanted to play the role both in the younger version and in the older version and they they tried to make her up to look young and they they filmed this flashback scene with her um but when they watched the dailies the director waited until everybody else was out of the room and then he looked at betty davis and said um nobody's gonna buy you as as this young woman and she was she agreed (laughs) Uh, she was she she was like you're goddamn right (laughs) you can imagine betty davis and so and yeah betty davis was you know elderly at this point i mean she looks good for a, a woman of her age but you know, she's she does. she's not gonna pass for 40 or 30 or whatever um of makeup in the world to make that happen 
<laughs> we in the backstory we find out that her husband had been killed in the war. It was the night of an eclipse, and she realizes that her daughter isn't home, so she runs out looking for her. There's like a chapel in the woods. It's these woods are just full of random things. Like <laughs> like there's the country store in one part of the woods. There's this big chapel in another part. There's like random houses and things. But she runs to this chapel and she sees these other three young people running away and then lightning strikes the chapel and there's fire. I guess that the the kids had been playing some kind of game. That's all we find out at this point. But Mary didn't run out and she was never found. Never found dead or alive. Uh, So um, nobody knows what happened to her. After that story, we get motocross. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great 80s movie. (laughs) What kind of movie is this? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Mike the motocross boy. (laughs) Uh The whole family's out there watching the motocross that, uh, that Mike is in, and Jan and Ellie decide, let's go a little closer. And the parents go, be careful. Well, yeah, these two kids Mm -hmm. get about as close as you can get to the track without getting run over. They're clearly dangerously close to these motorbikes flying over these hills. And uh, Jan is on this, standing on this flat rock with Ellie. And Ellie runs off to get a higher view. And suddenly she gets possessed again. And she turns around and she yells at Jan to come over. And so Jan runs over, and just at the point in which she reaches Ellie, this motorbike, this guy falls off of it, and it goes flying through the air, and it hits that rock and explodes just where she had been standing. And I think Ellie says, Jan says, well, what did you want? And Ellie's like, I didn't want anything. Narek wanted you, is what she said. Narek, or Karen, or the Watcher in the Woods, or whoever, has just saved Jan at the motocross event. (laughs) So, uh, you know, this is a thing about some of these ghost stories, where they don't seem to have these hard and fast little rules to, to their universe, right? Is the house being haunted? Are the kids being haunted? Does the ghost travel with the kids? Does it run around helping them wherever they are? You know, kind of what's the deal here? And I guess it really doesn't matter where the kids are. Somehow this ghost has latched on to them and is going to make mysterious, spooky things happen around them. Well, I was thinking during this too, maybe it's also because, you know, a lot of thoughts go through your mind. Um, Obviously, the girl in the mirror with this blindfold who's who's reaching out, whether she's sinister or not, looks like she could be Jan right? Blindfolded. She's got long blonde hair. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't see her face really clearly. And then when Mrs. Aylwood looks at her and sees a strong resemblance, you're thinking, is there some kind of connection between these two girls that's setting this off? You know, this metaphysical sort of reincarnation thing or whatnot that sometimes you see in movies. So it does really keep you guessing in a way as to the nature of this and what it all means. Yeah, it it does. But also some of these events like the motocross thing in that big accident, they don't really serve any purpose other than to show maybe, I guess, that this spirit or whatever it is is protecting the girls for some reason, maybe even specifically Jan for some reason. Um, yeah. But other than that, it just seems pretty random. At some point, we find out that Mike's mom was one of the people that was with Karen that night. Um, and eventually we find out who the other two guys were too. I mean, they were all just teenagers friends, but they're all still around in the exact same location. Like they 
they they haven't oh. like, they're 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 haunted and tormented by this horrible event that happened but they choose to stay right exactly there <laughs> yeah it seems that within like a one kilometer radius of this house yeah. it seems like you can walk to any of their places <laughs> you definitely there. can well, well th- there's a whole horse riding deal they go horseback riding and a wind they go up to the the edge of the woods and a wind blows out of the woods and spooks the horses and the horses take off and Jan's horse like almost gets hit by a truck and the truck runs off the bridge and like it's a whole thing and but they end up at uh the chapel and Jan arrives first Mike is on her tail but she arrives first and she goes in and she sees that triangle in blue, like the, a blue light triangle on this coffin that's just laying there. She walks up to it and she sees that ghostly girl laying in the coffin. And then Mike runs in and she's like, hey, look, she's in there, but she's not anymore. She's gone. And then this creepy guy shows up. We've seen him lurking around in the woods at least once before. It turns out that his name is Tom Colley and he was another one of those friends who was there with Karen that night. Um, but then there's the weird wind and some of the windows break out and weird stuff is happening in the chapel. And when it's done, these two circles of glass are laying either on the coffin or on the floor. Literally one is in like a sun pattern and the other is dark and is yellow and the other is dark blue. So it's so clearly like an eclipse but they don't they don't put that together jan just looks at it i wonder what that could possibly mean but uh, again if it's for kids okay kids might not put that together all right yeah um but tom the creepy guy then runs off to another huge estate within a one kilometer radius and uh talks to the third and last guy he's this apparently wealthy english gentleman or whatever his name's john keller he completes the three friends who were there and um tom says to john i've seen her she was in the chapel so tom thinks that jan is karen a ghost or or whatever and so like like i said earlier it's a slow burn it's like we're just getting little bits of information as you go along and and at this point you can't really piece together what happened except you know all three of those people were there and something bad happened obviously because they all are very sketchy about it and i think that that's good for pacing now for me as an adult you know i was kind of like okay you know let's let's get to it but (laughs) as far as ghost stories classic ghost stories are concerned i feel like this is very par for the course you know you just get little pieces of the puzzle every so often until it all comes together at the end so that's fine yeah janet might go to a carnival uh and they go into the house of mirrors which was you know a fun set piece and jan finds herself in one of those rooms where her reflection is multiplied like hundreds of times but it turns in her reflection turns into karen so karen's reflection is all around and she's reaching out and you can't or jan can't hear her but you can see that she's saying help Mm -hmm. me so from this point on jan is on a mission yeah She's going to figure out what happened, and she is going to find out what happened to Karen, and she's going to solve this mystery. Um, And then, you know, she's just Nancy Drew 
for the rest of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. They go to uh, Tom Colley. Uh, they go to find this creepy guy who lives... Is it a part of the of the broken down chapel, or is it just a broken down shed near the chapel? I'm not really certain. I think it's just it's a, a shack in the woods. It's a walk through the woods too, and uh, she finds him, and he uh, said at first is like, "Oh, we're not supposed to talk about what happened that night. We're not supposed to talk about it." John Keller told me we can't talk about it. Well. Jan had tried to get John to talk about it as well, and he let a bit of info go, but not much. And so when she told uh, him that uh, John had said it was some kind of saying, it was some kind of ceremony you guys were doing, then he opens up, and then we get through flashback something, uh, basically the complete story. Yeah, which is these kids went into the woods they were doing this kind of ceremony and they said it was john's idea Mm -hmm. it's i guess a ceremony to for this girl to join their group yeah it's an initiation and so she's standing on this coffin like i guess it's the coffin right yeah i think so and they all link hands and john has a few words to say you've been brought to this place to prove yourself worthy of our secret society we number only three we three alone have passed this test of courage Many have tried and failed. We link hands. You must not show fear. You must not speak. You must not remove the blindfold. You must not move at all. We shall hold hands around you, and you must not break our circle. The circle of our friendship. Whatever happens, whatever we say or do, you must abide by our code and banish all thoughts from your mind. Then it also happens that there was an eclipse that night, and lightning came through the air and struck the bell on the tower just above where they were standing, started to set things ablaze. The kids break the circle and run off, and as they turn around, Karen, who, poor girl, was still standing there (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, on top of that coffin, a giant bell comes down on her, or at least... That's what everybody else thinks, except for Tom Colley, who says that I turned around and I looked, and she was gone before that bell came down. And apparently everybody searched to find her and couldn't find her, so she just disappeared. Nobody found a body, uh, nobody found a charred-up corpse or anything, and all the kids were just you know, t- telling themselves all into adulthood that either she ran away or something mysterious happened to her, but they're brooded by this ever since. Right. And this is kind of random, but I just wanted to say, I don't even have it written down. The guy who played Tom Colley, I just really liked his characterization. His name's Richard Pascoe. He played him in almost a childlike way, that he's he's kind of simple, but also kind, and like he finds injured animals in the woods and like brings them home and rehabilitates them and stuff yeah it seemed like he had a genuine affection for karen and not in like a gross pervy way but like in an innocent you know childlike yeah. way he he really cared for her um and is really troubled um and has remained troubled by what has happened uh, and I just, I really liked his performance. Yeah, he it was almost, uh, he he was, like you said, a little simple, but not too simple. And just almost stunted. Like, this event just stunted his development, really. Like, yeah. he was so traumatized by the event that he's kind of retreated, become this hermit, and uh, hasn't really grown up like a normal adult since then. But, like you said, very caring, 
It was a, you're right. It, it was a, it was quite quite good in that way. I actually I thought all of the characters in this movie really were pretty good. They were believable. The acting was fine, and and I guess at some point in this mo- in this film, the father leaves quite early on. He's I can't remember what his job is, but he's he's it, a composer. Oh, that's right. He's he's got sheets and sheets of sheet music he has to deal with, <laughs> and he drives <laughs> off. And, and I guess it was like about forty five minutes into the movie, I was like, yeah, I wonder if Dad's going to come back in at some point. No, nope. he's. <laughs> I'm not even. He's just up and left, and nobody says makes mention of him again. Nor does he come back. <laughs> well, the mother has a really small presence too. Like at one point, they leave to like go into town, and I thought they were going to be gone for the major action. I guess at some point the mom comes back because she's in at least one kind of pivotal scene but right after Jan gets all this information we get a scene where Mrs. Islewood invites Ellie into her house she shows her Karen's music box she says you know this is the tune that uh, you've been humming your sister tells me you hear other things voices that tell you to um, do things I was just dreaming not when you named Nerak She named herself. Listen, child. Listen to the music. And see if you can hear that voice again. But Jan interrupts and comes in, and Ellie gets up and says, Hey, look at this music box. Isn't it it nice? And then... Ellie kind of goes off to the side and Jan and Mrs. Islewood are talking and um, Jan is telling Mrs. Islewood what she's just learned about the whole initiation thing. But then their attention is drawn back to Ellie, who is in another one of her trances. She says, must help Karen. Door. And, and like, this is all stunted. I feel like they're asking her questions kind of in between. But she says, must open door, chapel, soon. And they're like, Karen, Karen, how can we help you? And Ellie says, no, not Karen. And then she faints. Just at that moment, their mother comes in and sees all this. And that's enough for her. She's like, we're getting out of here. And and we haven't seen her in a while, no. and I guess she just happened to wander in. But uh, she's bound and determined to get them out of there, so she puts them in the car, and it's storming, and they're headed away. But the car starts to die, like the electricity's going out, like the battery is shorting out or something, and they end up stuck on this bridge. And Jan says, "We have to get out. We have to get out of the car." And so she convinces, she like takes the keys and she gets out. So the mom and Ellie get out. And as soon as they get off the bridge, lightning strikes the bridge and the whole car falls into like this ravine or whatever and explodes. Explodes. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, It's just goes without saying that whenever a car is going to run off the road or fall down a ravine, it has to explode. Yep. And this film is no different. <laughs> so obviously, somebody somebody or something wants to keep them there. What I thought was really kind of funny about this part was then it's kind of like the mom just threw up her hands like, oh, well, okay, guess we can't go anywhere. Let's go home and go to bed. Right. <laughs> You were right. <laughs> your little ritual thing. <laughs> no, it, I thought, actually, I thought it was a little interesting, a bit chilling um, when Ellie, and to me, this is one of the big reveals in the movie, even though ultimately I, I have problems with it. But um, Ellie, 
when she says no, not Karen, uh, then it introduces this whole other possibility that we're not really thinking of, that there's some other entity out there, not Karen. And it just brings up all these questions like, well, has it been this entity that has been reaching out to them? Is it using this Karen thing to lure them in for some sinister thing? It made me think that, and... I thought that was spooky because, you know, we, like the girls, have thought that this was Karen reaching out the whole time. And it makes yeah. logical sense that it would be. You know, she's been missing. Jan is seeing an apparition of her. So there, up until this point, there's really been no suggestion that it would have been anyone or anything else. And so now, you know, it's it's like... Oh, God, terrible example, but like Witchboard, when they think they've been talking to that one kid for the whole movie, and then it turns out that they weren't, that they were talking to something else. And that's kind of the same thing here. It makes you, if it's not Karen, then what does this force, whatever it is, what does it want? Like, what is its end game? Yeah, and I was also thinking back to when uh, Mrs. Islewood at the very beginning of the movie stared out into the woods and said, you know, they're, they're, they're staying now. Is that what you wanted? And so I was thinking, oh, she must have some sinister motive like she, or, you know, I mean, she's clearly not talking to Karen. She has no idea what happened to Karen. So she's talking to this other thing you know is she in cahoots with it i I don't know i it was like you said it was very chilling well i think that she i think mrs islewood thinks that she was talking to karen because when um yeah when jan's talking to mrs islewood and she says like what do you think happened to her mrs islewood says i think she's still here yeah i think that she thinks that karen's ghost maybe or something I don't know but I think that she thinks that Karen is still around somehow maybe she knows that there's something else or suspects that there's something else too I don't know it it's unclear yeah it's unclear well but she could be just as confused as the rest of us so yeah for sure right well that night they're sleeping and Jan wakes up and notices that Ellie isn't in her bed and she goes into the bathroom where Ellie is writing on the mirror again in mirror image Uh, And she writes, do again tomorrow. And then out loud, she says, too late, it hardly ever happens. But then there's a noise or something that snaps Ellie out of her trance. And she has no memory of what she was doing. You know, she doesn't know what she was talking about. But then the next morning, um, Ellie is just, you know, she's just herself, little girl. Um, she starts talking and she starts talking about the eclipse that's going to happen that night. And she says those same things. It hardly ever happens. She's like, will you help me make one of those I can look at the eclipse box glasses things, but we have to hurry or otherwise it'll be too late. Um, And so uh, from all that, Jan figures out that the eclipse has something to do with it. So she decides that she needs to get the three people who were involved in that initiation ceremony back together so that they can recreate it and then maybe that will bring Karen back now how she leaps to that conclusion I have no idea but okay yeah (laughs) it's a bit of a problem not only the fact that she leaps to this conclusion but that she can so easily convince all the adults to come out and do it right (laughs) I mean 
they put up a little bit of a fight. Yeah, well, the mean guy does. And she she tells Mike, you got to get your mom to come. And I don't know how they got the other guy there. They probably just asked. He's nice. I don't know. Um, <laughs> she's sitting there with the, the mean guy. And uh, she's like, oh, they should be here by now. And he's like, they're not going to come. And then she's like, oh, here they come. <laughs> <laughs> and from... And from there, she just directs it like she knows what she's doing. She jumps up on the coffin, and she's got a blindfold, and she puts it on. She's like, all right, now, pretend I'm pretend I'm Karen, and you say exactly what you said that night. And he's like, oh, I can't remember. She's like, you've got to remember. He's like, okay, I remember. And then he starts in uh, and repeating the thing. Now, we've got to talk about the, the movie from here on in the context of the version that's officially available. When they do this... Some gusts of the big wind comes in again, and the chapel thing shatters. And they've talked about how they're not supposed to break the chain, but uh, one of the the mother Mary tries to run out and break the chain, and she's held back. Um, actually, Mike is there too, and he's threatened to break the chain if anything bad happens to her. And then Ellie comes walking in in her trance again from the back of the chapel. Listen, ready to return. I've been trapped on your planet, Karen in my dimension. We exchanged places by mistake. Magnetic pull of the eclipse transferred our positions. Now exchange places again. And like there's this glowing energy that appears next to her. At one point, like you said, Mary breaks the chain and and like the glowing energy fades, but they get her to come back and then the energy comes back. And Ellie says, Karen was transferred by mistake, trapped. And then this red light shines down on Jan, who's still in the middle of this circle, and it starts to like pull her up into the air, but... Mike breaks through the ring, grabs her, and pulls her back down. And so they tumble to the floor, and everybody tumbles to the floor. And when they look back where uh, Jan had been standing, Karen is there. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I am. In this version of the ending, Karen has aged, right? It looks like she's supposed to be the age that she would have been had this not happened. Like, she's the same age as all the other people who were at that ceremony. And she's standing there, and then Mrs. Islewood walks in and, you know, just, you know, has this look on her face like she can't believe it. And she just says, in Betty Davis's amazing voice, Karen, you're home. (laughs) 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 and i feel like they embrace and then that's it that's the end yeah you know i was thinking okay you know it 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 solves the mystery kind of i mean i I still wasn't really entirely sure what was going on but you know they they did the Uh, ceremony and it worked and she's back and there was the nice reunion you know i felt bad for poor old mrs islewood through the whole thing uh yeah and so i was glad to see them reunited and 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 that was fine i I thought it was a satisfactory ending i wasn't blown away really so so for me i i was i was jolted by the ending now the very when i told you when i very first saw this movie as a film strip in class where it ended the movie was jan 
running in, I think, to Tom, or was when she talks to Betty Davis's character and says, it was a seance, uh, and you know, it made her disappear, and we have to go and, and do the ceremony again and to bring her back. And then it, it ended. It was like the end. Da, that's, da, da, da. that's so weird. <laughs> it was so weird. But as a that kid, makes no sense. It, me, it makes no sense. As a kid, to me, that was like chilling. It's like I finally get the answer to this, and it's some creepy ass ceremony, seance, like a cult type thing that they were doing. And, and then, yeah, there's no resolution. Like, so. The second time I watched this, I expected there again to be this sort of occultish type ceremony thing. And it's really more sci-fi. It's been this ghost story up until this point. At least it's had all the trappings of a ghost story. Very classically. I mean, hitting all the beats to, to the point where it's kind of everything's more or less cliche. And then it becomes this sci-fi thing where there's this being from another dimension and it's all just explained to you through Ellie's voice. Mm -hmm. And it begs the question of like, how did this group of kids with this little simple join our club initiation ceremony that Tom came up with happen upon this mechanism (laughs) to zap Karen away to have her exchange places with this other creature in this other dimension. He made up these words, right? They yeah. just went to this chapel in the woods, and it happened to be during the eclipse, and it just happened to be the right combination of events that would cause all this to happen. So right. they come back and they recreate the ceremony. I mean, did Jan need to stand in the middle? I mean, what would have happened if the boy hadn't jumped in and grabbed her out. Was the the the, the creature going to take her instead? Would would she have gone and Karen would have come and they would have swapped places? It seems like they screwed up the ceremony because they didn't let it complete because they broke the circle. But it still turns out okay, right? Because this girl's there. I don't know. I just I just had so many questions about it. Like you said, I mean, it's a resolution. But it all comes at you so fast, and it's such an immediate left turn on everything. And it's no longer ghost story, but interdimensional travel. And it's all told within, you know, a minute by the girl in a trance. That it just, everything kind of hits you at once. And I was in a daze. Okay, all right, I guess that's it at the end. It wasn't the creepy, cool occult ending I was expecting when I was a kid, and that and that got shut off. Right, right, I get that. But this this is only the ending they ended up with after, you, like you said, the test audiences. Actually, not the test audiences. I think they kind of premiered it or had sneak previews or something, and it and it it went really went over really poorly. It was like at a film festival or something. And so they prod it back in and retweaked it. So there are these two alternate endings. In the original ending, the one that the original audiences saw, instead of Ellie showing up in the chapel, this weird, evil-looking... I don't know what to call it. An alien? It kind of looks like like a demon, maybe? Shows up. And it's this cool flying puppet kind of thing. Like, you can totally tell it's on... I can't see the wires, but you can tell that that's how they did it. Mm-hmm. It comes in and it zaps Mike with like its eyeball lasers, and <laughs> then it spreads. It comes right up to Jan and spreads its wings and envelops her, and then it ascends and it disappears with Jan. And then Jan's mom shows up and she's like, "Where's Jan?" And they're like, uh, the one of the guys, I think Tom says, it was a seance, you know, we messed it up or something. 
And then there's a, a flash of bright light, and Jan just reappears with Karen, and she says, I found her. She was frozen in time and space. And in this version, Karen is still young, as though she has been suspended in time. Jan takes her back to the estate, and Mrs. Islewood comes out of her cottage, and they are reunited, and it's nice. And then Jan and Ellie have a little talk. You did it! You got her back! We did it. You helped. Where was she? I'm not sure. A place where people are changed into negative images. How did she get there? An accidental exchange between the Watcher and her. And he needed my image to set her free. So what happened to the Watcher? Well, now the Watcher can go home too. Wherever that is. I just think that it's interesting because in the version that they changed it to, the one that we saw, there's no mention of the Watcher at all. <laughs> like no. in the whole movie. <laughs> so the the ti- I, the title, I mean, I guess it makes sense cuz you see those POV shots or whatever, but we don't really get any explanation of who the watcher is. So at least yeah. here there's some mention of it. So okay, so then that was the one that didn't test well. So then they pulled it. And then I guess they went with alternate ending two, which was basically the same. Um, there was some additional dialogue. Mrs. Islewood, you see her go to get Jan's mom to warn her because she doesn't want to see this happen again. She's worried, and they're gonna. She's gonna. You know, both her and Mrs. Islewood, both Mrs. Islewood and the mother are running towards the to stop the séance. Basically, yeah. Yeah. And there's some extended dialogue in a couple of the other scenes, too, but nothing really important. The The big difference is when that demon envelops Jan, then we get this really trippy sequence in the other dimension. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> it's like kaleidoscopic, like LSD trip kind of thing with like ancient pyramids and spaceships and oh she flies across this alien landscape where there's this spaceship that looks like it's crashed into a glittering lake goes up into this this flying saucer and and then the demon drops her off inside the heart of this place or whatever and opens his arms and lets her go and fades away and she looks forward and there is this glittery pyramid And inside this pyramid is where the girl is trapped under kind of a beam of light streaming down, some kind of energy field. So Jan slowly starts to approach her, quite recklessly. Yeah. (laughs) Walks walks towards her, passes through this energy field, passes through this pyramid into there, and embraces her. And I guess that's all she really needs to do. Uh, And then she gets zapped back to the main room with her. And again, she's super young again. And then things proceed as they did before. Yeah, and at least this version, I mean, you can tell this is kind of what they had in mind originally because at least this version gives an explanation for all the triangle imagery. Because we've been seeing this triangle in the glass, we saw this triangle on a light in the on the coffin in the chapel, but I really didn't understand where the triangle came from. And in this case, you can see the triangle, I mean, this girl's trapped in a in a prism, like a pyramid shape. So that's where that triangle would have come from. In the ending that everybody ended up seeing, including us, there's none of that, obviously. This is is totally bizarre out there. I mean, this goes 100% 
batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty clear why audiences wouldn't have liked this or why Disney would have chosen to go with eventually the ending that they went with. And what I was reading, one of the guys described, I mean, to, to get a new ending for this movie because the audiences hated it, they literally pulled in writers like from out of the blue. They pulled in like sci-fi writers and stuff and said, hey, here's our movie, here's our script, here's what we had. Can you help us write a new ending for this? And there's kind of a war room, basically, of people writing different stuff. And I don't know if he was exaggerating, but one of the guys involved said at one point there were like 152 different possible endings for this movie. So really um, an interesting history behind it. Again, I still don't feel like the ending that they came to was very satisfying and didn't resonate well with audiences anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw a Siskel and Ebert clip from their show during this, and they were so confused like they both gave it a thumbs down but the watcher in the woods is confusing and disorganized and frankly i didn't speaking only for myself i didn't understand the ending of this movie can you tell me yeah. you walked out of the film it's all over where did those blue rays come from that came zapping out of the okay. forest and blinded people and made them fall off the bridges <laughs> yeah. and I, what was the explanation for that or anything else in this movie all right i think i know where the blue rays were coming from i think they're coming from another planet oh, believe really? it or not okay but i i, I bought that what I couldn't figure out was that little sister, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she, I think, is supposed to be from another planet, yet she sticks around. Now, but, I don't get th- that, and I must say, I th- had the same frustration you had in this picture. Uh-huh. I'm 35 years old. I can't figure out what's going on. How, how a nine-year-old? How is a nine or a 12-year-old going to... As a kid, I think you just kind of take what's coming at you, you know, and you just sort That's of... That's what I was going to say. You just don't question, right? No, whatever you don't understand, you're a kid, you're used to not understanding things, and you just kind of go right. with it for what it is, and, and it's fine. So I imagine that adults were a lot more critical of this movie than kids ever were. Probably. I I I liked the ending with the other world. I mean, the, the effects are, are definitely dated, but it was interesting, and, and it was such a strange like you said before left turn like it just kind of came out of nowhere plus i also really liked the design of the being whatever it was it was really cool i did too and you know i think the only reason they didn't originally even go with this ending is because nobody was happy with how the effects turned out and i mean for the time a lot worse crap went up on screen you know (laughs) (sighs) i don't know uh you know i i would say overall I probably wouldn't watch it again. I I can see how if I had been introduced to it when I was a kid, it might have been a favorite. Um, It reminded me in tone of like this after school special that I saw once when I was a kid and I, I... it just stuck with me. It was called like the Red Room yes! <gasps> Mystery or something. Oh my gosh. You remember that? Yes, I remember that one. <laughs> oh, that's another one that's haunted me since I saw it as a kid, and we should track that down. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube. Uh, it, it, it reminded me kind of like that. You know, it, it's it's spooky, but not so scary that it's going to give kids nightmares, I don't think. And it's it's decent storytelling, you know, little clues dropped here and there. You can kind of put things together, and then it comes together at the end. You know, there you have to make some, you know, logical leaps, I think. But And, and I like you said, the acting is totally fine. You know, n- there was no performance that I was bothered by and rolling my eyes at. They were all fine. It's not like it was stellar, you know, Oscar-worthy performances or anything, but um, they were fine actors. I really enjoyed Betty Davis. I wish that she had more to do. So does she, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 
at that point, I think she was taking whatever roles they would offer her, sadly. But it's not amazing, but for its time and for a family-friendly movie, I think it's fun. And if I had kids, um, I think it would be fun to sit down for a family movie night on the couch with some popcorn and and watch this. I think I liked it. Yeah, I agree with you. As a family film, it, it hits the buttons. It's it's suitably creepy. Even for adults, I think you could be engaged with it. Not a lot of made-for-kids or made-for-family movies. They can oversimplify things a little bit. I, I, I think it's still just a little cliche. It was cliche for the time, but it does hit all those notes of a classic haunted house mystery. So in a way, it's cliche. In another way, it's kind of satisfying. I would just say for me, as an adult watching it, just my only criticism is that it doesn't really follow through on the kind of movie it started out being. And not that movies always have to do that. Sometimes a a sharp twist or a turn in there is really exciting and and really uh, good plotting. In this case, it's just so out there that I just wish there had been some clues earlier on, some kind of mythology that had been built up at some point earlier in the movie just to prepare myself for the resolution. Yeah. Because to kind of get hit with all that in the last 10 minutes is is a bit much. But uh, once again, you know, they they salvaged what they could out of it. Um, I'd be really interested to read the novel, actually. Um, Me too. At the end of the day, great for kids and a family as well. And uh, definitely a horror movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can find us online. You can also find us on YouTube now. We have a YouTube channel. Just search for Two Guys and a Chainsaw or go to our website, twoguys.red40net.com, where you can leave us a message, let us know what other films you would like us to review, and let us know what you thought of this episode as well. Please subscribe to us on YouTube if you can. We're looking for more subscribers so that we can do more things with that channel. And also, don't hesitate to send us requests. We are going to finish out this month with a couple more movies that are oriented towards families and kids, so stay tuned for that. Until then, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah.